Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And then there were six, a day short of a month since this strangely beguiling tournament began, and we can confidently wave a white flag in the vague direction of Afghanistan, South Africa, West Indies, and now Sri Lanka. I'm Phil Walker, and this is the Wisdom Cricket Daily Podcast, in partnership with Travel Bag, creating holidays packed full of memories since 1979. And today I'm joined on the line from Birmingham by Photoshop junkie, midfield wallflower, and Crick Biz's English correspondent, Mr. Vidushan Ahantaraja. Vish, thank you for joining us. No worries, Phil. Thanks for having me. Yeah, well, it's a pleasure. I've been, I've been seeking you out for the best part of a month now, uh, and finally you've given in. Um, perhaps it really is the end days of English cricket, I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, without further ado, what's your moment of the day, Vish? Um, my moment of the day is one that ultimately meant nothing, nothing at all, and it was um, a backflip drive that Vishka Fernando, Vishka Fernando, paid off um, Kagisa Rabada, mm. and I thought it was quite uh, indicative of Sri Lanka's World Cup so far that this little lad, this little twenty-one-year-old who they didn't think of giving a go until the England game, um, is actually quite a good player and just hit one of the best bowlers in the world pretty serenely through cover point. Um, yeah, you'll probably talk about that today's game, you know, later on in this pod. But um, that was my particular moment. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that was also mine for what it's worth. It was a rather humdrum affair. This game, um, South Africa won by nine wickets in the end. Sri Lanka didn't really put up a fight. I don't think they were ever really seriously considered for that 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 final four slot. But they were theoretically at the start of the day still in the mix. Um, Karuna Ratna went, went first ball, ducked into a, a good length ball from Rabada. A slightly peculiar way to begin the the, the game. Fernando's Two little cameos have summed up Sri Lanka's tournament, haven't they, really? He made a beautiful 49 the other day and a, and a good 30 today before before just tossing it away, in truth, really. And it's, it's rather been the story of Sri Lanka. Little glimpses of class as ever, but overall, a pretty misfiring campaign. Yeah, yeah, it has been. I mean, like, you've probably come to expect it, actually. I, I, as soon as I came into this tournament with a new captain and a couple of big players left at home, I, I generally thought that they, they'd be lucky to win two games, um, 
they were very lucky to get off the hook against Afghanistan, to be fair. Mm-hmm. Um, England did their duty as hosts and made them as comfortable as possible to give them another. But yeah, they have, from top to bottom, they've been a little bit of a shambles. And I, I suppose it's going to be players like Fernando and Udana who give them something to hold going forward. But, yeah. you know, from the, even from the start, having having a test match number three, who bowls a bit of part-time spin, as your main spinner batting a number nine in mm. Dan and Jared Silva is, um, yeah, it's a... Kind of mad. Uh, just a little quick word on Kushal Mendes. Is is he is he going backwards? Uh, he remains an enigmatic cricketer to me. Sometimes he looks like a world beater, but he sometimes looks like a rabbit in the headlights. Do you remember? Like, do you remember we used to have this conversation about Ian Bell like, mm. every year? Mm. It'd be like, oh, well, this, this is his coming of age lock. This, oh, this is be, this will be his coming of age lock, and then it kind of clicked. And mm-hmm. I suppose the thing with the, the uh, you know the thing to take from Bell's story is the fact that. You know, he got enough opportunities to succeed and then, you know, went big. Um, it's weird because Sri Lankan cricket wouldn't really have too many players kind of um, fighting for Kusal Mendes' spot. But then at the same time, that in itself breeds, a, you know, a bit of a malaise, really, doesn't it? Because yeah. he's not he's being pushed. You know, they tried it a year or so ago, 18 months ago, where they left him out of the team completely, mm-hmm. um, kind of for his own good and, you know, saying that he needed to get away and recover and stuff like that. And he, came, he did come back a better player. Um Right. But yeah, it's, it's just well. I, I was just trying to check actually how old he is. Um, because you feel like time's still on his side. Is he twenty-four? See what it says here. Yeah, twenty-four. So yeah, I mean, he does have time on his side. But mm-hmm. yeah, he, he's a senior player now. What is it? He's you know he's thirty-eight tests, sixty-seven ODIs. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, like you know, come four years' time, we might be talking about this new talismanic captain of, of Shillong cricket, but he's got a long way to go before getting there. It was a strange old game today. I hope you didn't watch too much of it, Vish. I would say this is probably the, the, the least dramatic and exciting game of cricket that we've had at this tournament so far. It felt like the end of a drawn test match when three days have been written <laughs> off for rain, where runs don't matter, boundaries aren't applauded, no one can remember who's bowling, and then there's just a limp handshake at the end and everyone goes home. The only exciting moment, and I hope you didn't see it, because I hope you've had half a day off here, was the swarm of bees moment, which made it... Did you see this? I did, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. so naturally enough, this would have made it onto the BBC's website for the clip service, and yet another dagger in the heart of cricket. When, when new fans are coming to it and they just see 22... Well... 12, 12, 13 men lying on the floor, huddling from a swarm of northeastern Geordie bees. You make it sound like they're louts, Geordie bees. <laughs> <laughs> Running a mock over our precious good, game, they were. That would be a good name for the 100, actually, Geordie bees. <laughs> it would, wouldn't it? That would be perfect. <laughs> Don't mention the H word. Um, okay, in the last two days, West Indies and Sri Lanka, of course, have fallen away. West Indies, 29 days ago, they beat Pakistan, turned them over comfortably. Seven wickets, job done by two in the afternoon. Now, they've staggered out of this tournament with one more point from a rain-off in 29 subsequent days. Have you been surprised? been surprised by their demise? I, I suppose I have a little bit. Maybe I got, I got caught up in the, the fast bowling hype at the start. Mm, you know, when did. they were, you know, when they bumped Pakistan, Trembridge, and, you know, we obviously saw them in the Caribbean, but you know, sticking up England a couple of times, mm-hmm. so to speak, <laughs> you know, with the during that series in the Caribbean. And yeah. you kind of felt that there was something something growing there. And I, I suppose Russell, Russell's getting a lot of heat, isn't he? Because of, you know, poor, because of he hasn't been able to keep his body together. But really, I think when you, when you look at it on paper, and if you don't get caught up in, uh, you know, how, how kind of, how, how skillful and how watchable they are, you kind of think that they are 
always going to be a few gaps in their side. For example, yeah. like they don't really have too much consistency with the ball. I don't know why Kimar Roach hasn't been playing, but mm. you know, it's too late now anyway. Um, and Basting Utianos, you know, you know that Shai Hope's coming in there and uh, is as reliable as they come. But if Russell doesn't come off, it's all a bit, it's just all a, you know, all a bit sort of kind of patchy. I suppose yeah. is the right word. That game against Australia was telling because they played that like a T20. Russell kind of trying to take down Stark is one of the stupid things of this World Cup, probably. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe along with the Geordie Bees. But yeah, it was just. <laughs> They didn't really seem to know what they were doing. They seemed to... It, it sounds a bit lazy to say this, but I, I don't really have a better way of putting it. But it did seem like they came into this 50-over tournament with a 20-over mindset. Yeah, yeah. And it was a pivotal game, that Australia game. 50 for 4 they had them, I think, on the first morning uh, and still somehow contrived to lose that game. And if, if they had got over the line, you feel that, that would have, they'd have built on that. And equally, Australia's evident weaknesses and, and vulnerabilities uh, which have now seemingly been eliminated would have maybe come more to the fore oh it's annoying isn't it it's um, <laughs> yeah it is <laughs> like that, that that game at Lords they were they was I didn't even think they were that good but they were still you know streets ahead of England yeah they've got a couple you can feel like they've got a couple of gears to go up as mm-hmm. well like if you know if for example I suppose Maxwell coming off Stark actually blown away you know getting three or four in his opening spell that kind of um, you know that, that's a, a ceiling they haven't yet gone through mm-hmm. but I think the worst thing was seeing seeing Langer and Ponting you know smiling and cackling on a Lord's balcony and yeah. it's just like it, it really it really did feel like a little bit of a throwback I, I, I've kind of used this analogy before but you know like you know like when a kid's getting picked on at school and then his dad turns up in the playground the next day <laughs> It's a little bit like that. They got pasted last year, and then they brought, you know, obviously yeah, Lando was there last nice. year. They brought in Ponting, and now Warner and Smith are back, and you're like, oh, God, they're actually quite good again, aren't they? And also, Finch mentioned five times world champions about 15 times during the course of that day. Before the game, at half-time, after he got runs, and at the end. And it's, it's just something they keep driving home. Five times world champs, five times world champs. It doesn't happen by accident. And it's all fair. It's all fair. They may be alphaing England to, to coin the current term, but it's all fair game, really. You, you mentioned England. Are you aware that they're really struggling to qualify for the semi-finals, Vish? Well, so I heard they already qualified. KT gave them the, the cup, didn't he? I think he literally <laughs> presented it to them the other day. Um, I want to ask you. I want to ask you. You've been travelling the country following them. You've seen every game. Is it akin to following a secret cult, known only to a few? Um, I, I suppose a, a little bit. Are you kind of like, are you having a dig at, I suppose, like how little the World Cup has kind of permeated the public? Never. Country? I think what's, <laughs> I think what's quite interesting is the the Women's Football World Cup because yeah. when this was in the calendar, even even a year ago, while, well, obviously there was a, like, you know, look at what happened with cricket in 2017 with the Women's World Cup. Well, there's obviously that groundswell and appetite for women's sport coming to the fore. I mean, it's always been there. Now you just, now people just have better access to it. Mm-hmm. But two or three years ago, when this was in the calendar, at no point did they think a Women's Football World Cup would, you know, well, I suppose would, would distract our eyes and, you know, I suppose take the heat off or take the spotlight away from from this Cricket World Cup. That's one of the reasons, you know, we have these World Cups on odd number of years to avoid football tournaments and the Olympics and stuff like that. And it really does feel like they've completely missed something here. Like, I know the logistics aren't... Well, I mean, I don't know the logistics, to be fair, of what could have been done to, 
you know, to change an existing broadcast deal so that we could get it on free to air TV or we could get some of it on, you know, streaming or anything like that. Mm-hmm. But it's kind of like, you know, we're at one house party and it's okay, and there's another house party across the road and it's going mental. Yeah. And you're like, and we can't leave this house party because it's, you know, it's a, it's a mate, isn't it? You know, it's the you don't want to be a bad friend. But, yeah. our, our house party was advertised just by a couple of pieces of paper slipped under someone's door, and the other one would have been all over Facebook and, and the BBC. Um, this is a, this is an ongoing problem uh, that we know. I don't want to dwell too much on it because it's a very complex and, and rather tiresome argument now, I suppose. But looking at this team, they've obviously now lost three, three and six. They are struggling uh, to get over the line. Three and seven, correction. And Bairstow's, Johnny Bairstow's comments yesterday, I'll quote them back to you. People were waiting for us to fail, he said. They're not willing us on to win. In many ways, they are waiting for you to get that loss so they can jump on your throat. He may have been directing it at Peterson and Vaughan, or he may have been directing it uh, more broadly than that. It's hard to say. What do you make of these comments? Are they indicative of a side that is rather losing its cool or is this Johnny B being Johnny B well I mean you've just summed it up at the end there like you know you've interviewed Johnny Best before I've interviewed him before he just he has a way with words which seem quite confrontational but I've actually kind of I don't think he realises what he's saying at times, and I think this is another example of that. I don't think he, you know, judging, I wasn't actually there when Bairstow gave these quotes, but speaking to people who were, he kind of said that it was put across in this typical Johnny Bairstow way, to put some air quotes on it, in that he was a bit punchy, but he wasn't really punchy, and he was, he was almost trying to, like, wind himself up, but yeah. also, you know, thinking his remarks were off the cuff. And it, it, I suppose it's a bit of naivety on his part, actually, considering that, you know, he's a senior member of this England team. I think sometimes he thinks he's on the field. He's, that's the, you know, he's a senior player on the field, but he doesn't take those responsibilities off it in terms mm-hmm. of how he gives quotes and, and mm-hmm. things to the press. Because even, so not out of context, but like, you know, written down, those are some pretty harsh words and some... Know, pretty misguided words all yeah time. I mean and, when you look at them on paper they are quite unambiguous but then as you say Bairstow's style is he can't avoid verbal confrontation even when he's not necessarily driven by that I would just add on this I would just add I found it quite demoralizing personally because I, I've sensed nothing but widespread des- desperation for England to do well in this tournament and I think everybody the from the top yeah. downwards are almost too desperate for England to do well, as if the stakes are even too dramatic. You know, the consequences of them bumming out of this tournament for the game's future. We may even be overplaying the significance of this, but I can't see anybody with an inkling of interest in, the, in, the, in English cricket having anything but massive desire for them to do well. But one thing I would add, by way of defence of him, it was recorded at a Charles to Shine event. That I gather, I gather he was a last-minute replacement for somebody who couldn't make it. And, and, and that's that's kind of sums up Bearstow really. You know, he wasn't obliged to go along to this thing, but he wanted to do the right thing. Gets there and then causes a causes a scene. <laughs> kind of knocks over well, the drinks carton by accident. You know. I suppose what I suppose the one thing that we should we should carry out with this chat with and it's something that I suppose you know probably too deep to get into it now but I suppose it's one of the things one of the issues that comes with quotes like this is you don't, you never get the question we never get to read the question and it depends like what, how it was phrased it might have been the case that someone asked him you know do you feel like people are on your back now because yeah. you're you know because you've, you've lost 
yeah. three out of seven, whatever it is. Um, and I, I, I think that that would add a lot of context because evidently he was asked about, um, you know, about whether he felt that, yeah, as well as felt, felt the pressure was on, felt that people were, you know, dismayed by what's, what's gone on and yeah. uh, that particular defeat against Australia. Um, but yeah, I, I, but he, I mean, he's got to be smarter than that. Like he's he's been in this game long enough that Indeed. he knows that even that people are going to strip away all the context and take that one line. Yeah. One thing, one thing if anything, more more disturbing to me was the, the 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 whinging in effect about the pitches, the state of the pitches, which has been echoed not just by Bairstow but by other players in the side as well, complaining that the oval pitch wasn't a typical oval pitch against South Africa, Trent Bridge against Pakistan, Lords against Australia. They're not the typical wickets that we've been playing on over the last couple of years, he said. Now, let's just flip this, Vish, right? If you were listening to an Australian at an Australia World Cup or an Indian at an India World Cup whinging about this, you would be laughing your head off, wouldn't you? But, but, but like, do you see it as whinging? Like, I, I think it was just factual, wasn't it? Like, these aren't because of the weather, because of the fact that they've got to get in so many games. That these just aren't similar pitches. But they're not impossible pitches. They're not too different to what they're, they're not impossible pitches. Games. Yeah, you know they've won games. They've won games all over the world. Like I've played on loads of different surfaces. I think it's just you know I I, I didn't really see it as whinging. I saw it more as you know talking factually because even Morgan said in his press conference when he was basically given the opportunity to say you know it's the pitchers what done it, but didn't and actually had a couple of nice lines about the fact that it's just England have won games on these pitches there's no reason why they they can't now um, or why they shouldn't now Um, I I get that to me it felt unduly negative it felt like a gripe that had been festering in the dressing room and has now come out publicly from various different sources and to me it was it it, it echoed a a kind of a muddled and slightly slightly pessimistic and negative approach it it put me in mind actually of uh, a conversation I once had with Nasser Hussain about Alan Border, and he said when Border played for a year at Essex, he wouldn't accept any excuses at all. And Border wasn't scoring a run for Essex, right? Couldn't hit a barn door. Uh, and people kept coming up to him saying, unlucky AB, keep going AB, unlucky mate, unlucky mate. And eventually he just lost it, lost it with the dressing room. And said, it's got nothing to do with bad luck. I'm just hitting it like, 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 a, like a busted ass was his actual expression. And, and, you know, it just kind of put me in mind of that really. That, a proper uncompromising setup delivered by uncompromising cricketers. They wouldn't be talking about the state of the pitches. They'd just be playing on them. They'd just be getting on with it. To me, it, it, it alarms me a little bit. Yeah, anyway. I, 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 can, I can see that. Like, it is, it's just an excuse, isn't it? I, I think what I, I do wonder if, like, I do wonder if we're hearing too much from them, if that makes sense. Like, I, yeah. I get that, yeah. you know, like, you know, people involved with the ECB who are really keen to push this England side. And in Danny Rubin, the media manager, you've got someone who's very forthcoming, but yeah. comfortably the best they've had. Ever really, um, and I think you know we end up. Bearstow does chance to shine. Butler did TV today. Someone's doing something else. Mm-hmm. They really want to obviously push this World Cup and, and make these players known. But then with that comes you know situations where they have to answer questions and they and they have to give answers, don't they? They can't yeah. just no comment while they're trying to push the game. Um, and maybe that's yeah, maybe that's why we kind of get the sense that they're all making excuses and they're all mm. you know mm. complaining about stuff. Um, all right. I hear all of that. Uh, let me ask you about Sunday then. How the hell are they going to beat this Indian side on a on a pitch at Edgbaston, which even though it may be a fresh pitch, is still going to turn because it turns forever at Edgbaston. How are they going to beat this side? Uh, I suppose they're going to beat them by playing the way they they did against Sri Lanka, by playing the way 
Oh, sorry, play Sri Lanka in Sri Lanka rather than <laughs> Sri Lanka in Heading. Big call. Because cool. uh, they'll definitely be tapped then. Um, but I think also they can take heart from the fact that this India side beat them in that first ODI uh, this time last year, basically, and mm-hmm. then they turned it around. And a lot, and the, the crux of that was dealing with Kuldeep and Chahal. Yeah. So, you know, Kuldeep six, took six for in that first game. Chahal actually had quite a quiet um, ODI series. They can And, and they can do their best to draw on that. They know, I suppose, the variations that the, you know, the left arm and right arm wrist spinners are going to bring. And if they're, you know, if, they, if their minds are not too cluttered, it, it's, it can be pretty straightforward for them. The one big issue for me that they're going to have is Jasper Bumra, who is, yeah, stunning. you know, I think he's, I'm not sure what the, the wicked tallies will agree with this, but I think he's been the best bowler. Him and Mitchell Stark, probably. Mo Amir in third, but yeah. Bumra for me out there, up there. I, I, would echo that. I, had, I, I had a look earlier actually he's, he's only taken nine wickets Bumrah but his economy rate is outstanding um, he, is, yeah. he is the full package I sound like even more that I don't know what I'm talking about but it, to me I just feel like it falls back on that hoary old cliche Joe's got to get 100 Joe's got to get 100 he made 200s back to back last year in those ODIs that you talk of um, he plays he averaged something like 75 against spin bowling in ODI cricket and played Yadav beautifully last year through mid wicket you know with the spin with the spin it all hinges on Joe Root doesn't it yeah but but why? Like we've had, <laughs> yeah. yeah. he shouldn't. But I mean, you're, you're absolutely right. It does. I think one of the one of the interesting developments over the last uh, like six months, say, is the way that Ben Stokes has basically turned into a a Joe Root type player. Mm. Like I think we, because of his personality and because of the way he goes about the game, we. Uh, I suppose imposed all these characteristics on him and one of them is that he's this just freewheeling sitter he's like Joss Butler but he's not actually is he he's mm-hmm. got a proper technique goes all the way forward goes all the way back and is someone who also is a very good player of spin so yeah. I do wonder if the, I mean they don't want to get too funky too soon but I wonder given Butler's in a little bit of an iffy run of form rather than promoting him per mm-hmm. se maybe actually just having Stokes in there as a lock, a bit of a lock really at number five and Know, having Morgan at um, Morgan at four and and just like and just settling with that and yep. just thinking right we're not going to do anything too funky now let's just you know let's let's just see if we can on on these kind of pictures that we're not going to gun we're not going to get three fifty three eighty but let's see what if we can get to three hundred three twenty instead mm-hmm. um, maybe just recalibrating that mm-hmm. by embracing a bit of conservatism I don't I can't believe I'm just, I'm saying that but <laughs> you know that's where that's where this team are at right now I think especially yeah, I mean, against um, a team like India when in doubt English cricket turns conservative um, <laughs> have you have you been able to see the pitch yet Mish have you been over to Edgbaston I haven't actually no no we'll get a look at it um, okay. tomorrow from afar Jason yeah, Roy no, what's the story <laughs> well they say Jason Roy they, I thought promising we just keep hearing promising um, I, it sounds like he had quite a substantial bat today um, he was at Lords and had a few throwdowns with Collie but this seems to be like a proper workout with bowlers and everything and Butler said today that he was he was in good shape, which is um, which is strange for a hamstring tear because they wouldn't give us a grade. Um, right. You know, like I think they graded one to three, one being the least severe and three being right. the most. Um, but they they were kind of reticent to give us that information. Um, I, kind of, I kind of understandably so, you know, um, because obviously because if they call up a replacement and then Roy's fit, they can't bring him back into the squad. Sure. And he's yeah. Ultimately disqualified from coming coming back in, so there'd be no reason to to call for a replacement just yet. But it sounds like he. <laughs> I don't know if it's worth the risk. Um, obviously, Vince isn't 
having the best time of it. But it sounds like he's in contention for Sunday, which is uh, surprising to me at least. Yeah, indeed. Um, and Joffre didn't look fit the other Joff- day. No, no, and he didn't bowl today either. Um, I suppose, you know, we've got another day, haven't we, to see what's what. Um, okay, well, well, hold on, sorry, let's throw it forward then. If Joffre doesn't make the cut, who do you bring in? Well, it's Plunkett, isn't it? <laughs> England have lost all games that he hasn't played in, so yeah. might okay. be worth bringing him back. Even just as a token thing, I, I, you know, just having what what would we probably do then, would we We'd have Wokes and, and Mark Wood opening the bowling, so that kind of takes care of itself, and you have Plunkett back, and you might... You might even see the best in Rashid, actually, because it's uh, you know people talk about his relationship with um, Moeen Ali as a fe- as a fellow spinner, but really Rashid seems to bowl best when he's got Plunkett at the other end. Yeah, sure. Or when he's got Plunkett in the side, he's right. doing his job. So yeah, that'd be that'd be the change for me. Is that if Archer doesn't make it, it'll be or if, maybe even if Archer is past fit, it might actually be Archer for Plunkett. Yeah. Okay, and um, just briefly, Tom Curran had had a look in, but was bowling brilliantly before the tournament. I thought. Yeah, this is this is a thing. This is what England have cocked up here because they thought they were going to qualify. Or to be fair, they should have qualified by now. And maybe the Australia game and these two would be a chance to give some of the fringe players a bit of a go, so that they're not going into the knockout stages cold. It just hasn't really worked out like that. Um, it, if Tom Curran is going to get a game, you kind of think now it's, it's going to be due to injury because England mm. need to win these two games. He mm-hmm. evidently isn't in there their first 11 thoughts or even their first 12 um, so you know you've got two games and you've got a semi-final and a final well, yeah yeah okay <laughs> semi-final and a final um, um, are, so yeah he's, he's going to David Mayer probably are you well where's, where's your optimism levels I'm about seven, but like you know me, I'm quite optimistic anyway. But yeah. I'm about seven. Yeah, it's one of your more, yeah. more negative traits. I've always thought of that. All right, we'll, we'll leave it there. And I just want to, just before you go, Vish, uh, your moments of the tournament, your your players of the tournament. Give me two or three. Well, we mentioned one of them, Jasper Bumra. Um, I think he's been been class, as you say. It's it's funny seeing teams basically trying to manage out his 10 overs mm-hmm. um, he's going to end up as you, you mentioned his economy right there I think that'll be the real measure we don't need to look at the wicket column for mm-hmm. him um, Bob Razam as well I think it's that you know it's, it's that Rudyard Kipling poem isn't it about keeping your head while all around you are losing theirs mm-hmm. he just comes in and gets 50 doesn't he obviously got 100 against New Zealand but comes in you can bank him on a bank on a 50 from him while everyone else does all sorts of Weird shit, you know, like Mohammed Fee's getting out to part timers for fun, being corn, yeah. no boundary. But he just goes about his business, and yeah, he's a classy player. Do we, you know, you're an Azam fan. Do we need to talk about him in that Root Williamson Coley column? I think in about 10 test matches' time, maybe 15, we absolutely do, yeah. Not yet, because he has, yet, to, right. he has to get the numbers across all three formats, but there's no question that he will. You, you yeah, know my feelings yeah. on him. Um, yeah. I love the outburst as well because he's quite a self-contained fella. But the outburst yeah. when he made the hundred was glorious. One of the moments of the tournament for me. And I would say, considering the moment and the pressure uh, and what was at stake, I think it's probably the innings of the tournament so far. That hundred against New Zealand. Yeah, comfortably. Yeah, especially the uh, the crowd reaction as well. I think that that made it. That was seeing Ed Weston go green. I know we're going to see it go blue on the weekend, but seeing it go green was um, was pretty cool actually. Yeah, can't begrudge them that. Um, and lastly, before before you cut me off, Shakib Hassan as well. He's got yeah. the best all-rounder we've ever seen. Yeah, fabulous cricketer. Probably the cricketer of the tournament so far, I would yeah, say. definitely. All right, Vish, thank you for your time. Go and enjoy your Friday evening. Talk to me again when, when England have turned this around and we can eat some humble pie. 
this has been the Wisdom Cricket Daily Podcast in partnership with Travel Bag, of course, creating holidays packed full of memories since 1979. Vish, thank you for joining me, sir. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'll see you on the open top bus in a month's time. <laughs> All right, the show rolls on into the weekend, but thankfully I won't be on it, folks, as Ibiza is calling. Uh, Yaz will be steering the ship before the return of Joe early next week. He can't come home soon enough. By then, England and India would have done their thing. It could be very spicy indeed. Don't forget to subscribe, of course, via the podcast app, Spotify, and all the others. Thank you for listening. We'll be back tomorrow. Podcast Network.